0: Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. Good morning to you. Thank you for being here. At our first service, how many of you now, knowing we're moving to 9, are going to be the 10.30 crowd? Anybody in here moving to 10.30? Okay, good. That's okay. Just own it. You know, just own it. That's awesome. How many of you going to still be in the 9 o'clock crowd? Wow, man, that's awesome. Some of you are trying to tell yourself you're going to be in the 9 o'clock crowd, uh, but hopefully you'll be here. Now, now, just so you know, the service isn't, uh, doesn't start at 9.10. It starts at 9, and so you have to get here for all of it, or you're tardy, and uh, nothing really happens, but I just thought I'd say that. Uh, We started a series last week. We'll continue in it this week, Uh, but for the next few weeks, we, every year, uh, starting the fall, can you believe we're saying that word, fall? Um, uh, Some of you just have your kids, young kids, starting school. In fact, I've been getting up early. Friday, I got up early and took my daughter to school. She doesn't ride a bus. She I, I drive her to school, and that's um, because she's my daughter. The boys, I didn't care. Just get on the bus and uh, be a man, you know. Uh, daughter, I'm like, no. Uh, anyway, drive her to school, then she's got sports now. She's in sixth grade sports, so she doesn't get done until like five 30 then we drive home and so I'm a little winded today anybody feel like that with kids you are just a little tired from running around you become a caravan and uh, you're an uber driver that doesn't get paid Uh, so Um, Today, though, we're talking about this word gather. If you don't know our strategy at Hamilton Hills, it's gather, grow, go. Would you say that with me? Ready? Gather, grow, go. That's important for you to know if you're here and you're guests, you're the first time here, you haven't been here in a while, or uh, you have passed through the hallways and never seen the big words gather, grow, go. Today is your day to talk about Gather. Every church has a, a gathering, a gathering of a, a worship service, people call it, or, or a church service, or uh, uh, even back then in, in the Old Testament or New Testament times, a, a gathering together. Every Ar- August, it's, can you believe it's August, it's actually the middle of August, uh, my wife's birthday is tomorrow, by the way, and uh, for a month she is two years older than me, uh, so I love this time of year, but also I love this time of year because it's football season, and some of you like uh, NFL, and, and I'm okay with NFL. I hope the Colts do okay this year. And we even moved our service times up for you Colts fans, so there's no excuse for you to be here at 10:30. Th- yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, I, I I like NFL, but college football. There's nothing like college football, and there's not many people that are SCC college football fans in this area. Uh, We're still trying to convert people and get them to come to Jesus, but uh, there's not many. Uh, I have a friend in our church, he kind of watches the games with me uh, on Saturdays, and we watch each other's team, and and, uh, we watch SEC football teams, and and we kind of get it, we understand it, we speak the same language, and there's one time of year. Uh, that we, we really are not good friends when it comes to college football he 's an Alabama fan and i 'm a georgia fan, and uh, there 's unity all year long till it comes to that time about the SEC championship game to where he comes into my house for that game we 've watched it twice, and I just glare at him and uh, uh, he 's glaring at me, and we 're trying to fill each other out and The unity is not the same, but how powerful is it when you like something? And you may not even know about that person, you may not even know their history, you may not even have the same background, but you become unified because you have the same hobby or you like the same thing or you, you have a favorite football team and, or, or you're a Colts fan or a Pacers fan or you're a fan of anyone who plays the Patriots. Can I get a witness in the house today? See, we all came in unity just now, uh, but unity is a powerful tool. I like this passage of Scripture, and they'll put it on the screen. You can open your Bible in Psalms, chapter number 133. I'll take you to an Old Testament passage of Scripture in the book of Psalm, and it says this, it says, Behold. I like that word, behold, and, and, and it's taken me many years as a Jesus follower, but to really kind of pay attention to every word in a verse, and it's even interesting to me, just thinking about this this morning, he says, behold, you know what he was doing? He's getting your attention. And he says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountain of Zion, for there... The Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Two things in this verse that are very interesting to me is it says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. I feel like in America today and all through society, it's harder and harder for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. You think about family life. You think about brokenness in society. You think about uh, uh, different sides of the political aisle. You think about uh, loyalty or non loyalty. You, you think about different things with religious aspects. And even in a local church today, it's hard to find a church that is dwelling together in unity, people united in unity for the Lord. It commands a blessing. You see, we read that first part of that scripture often... ...and maybe you've been a Christian for a long time... ...or maybe you've never read Psalms 133... ...but I, I love this passage because not only does it say... ...that we are to dwell together in unity... ...but it actually gives uh, the reason why you should dwell together in unity... And, ...and it says at the end of that verse that it can command a blessing. It can command a blessing from the Lord. A family who comes together in unity... A business that comes together in unity. A group of people who make it about us instead of me. It is we and not me that brings power through unity. They can do great things. I've seen people who don't even believe in God that have unified themselves together. They can do great things. A city can do great things. A group of people can do great things. When they come together, bonded by one thing in mind, they can do great things. I believe a church gathering is not about me, but it's about we. The Bible says this, come let us Exalt! Anybody know this verse? Exalt the Lord together. Not come. Let us exalt the Lord by myself. He says very clearly, "Come, let us exalt the Lord together." Then he says this: "Come, magnify the Lord with me." I want to share a verse with you that's used for family. Uh, it's it's a, a verse that's focused on family. I've used it. And my family, many times. And some of you may have this on your wall. And I've claimed this over my family's life. And even recently, I've been praying it over my children's life and at their doorposts, uh, uh, praying this for them. And, and, and the Bible says this a familiar passage of scripture almost everyone knows it's Ask for me. Can you say it with me? Ask for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Notice it says, Ask for me and my house. Then it turns to we. We, not me, but we, not my, but we, when it ceases to be about me and my and becomes about we, we can do great things together for the Lord. That means when people with common experiences and just common people with different talents and different gifts and different backgrounds and nothing special about each other, but when common people come together for extraordinary causes, then me becomes we, we can see great things happen in our life. The power of we brings a command blessing. In Numbers 11, if you turn there and you read that chapter, you have to read it later, but Moses, who was the leader of the children of Israel, and he had too many things on his plate. Moses was leading, but he was doing it by himself. His father-in-law and other leaders were concerned about this, and he said, basically, paraphrasing, if we're going to do this we're going to have to empower more people to handle it and the power was given to 70 elders who helped lead if we can move from me and my to when they look out it's not about me and it's not about me but it's about we we can do great things and you go through that passage of Scripture in Numbers and you see how it became uh, less about me, Moses, and more about we, the children of Israel. You saw them function so much better in unity when everyone was spreading the wealth of the work. So unity together with a common cause. All through the Bible, we see God using We. God will meet your needs as you stay focused and concerned with meeting the needs of others. You you know what the, the fallacy of people are in the Christian faith? We spend so much time with our prayers on me instead of our prayers on we. Do you know that God, when you are walking in his steps, when he's ordered your steps and you're matching your life up to his word, he will take care of you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And he will take care of your needs when we get our eyes off of me and put it on we and we focus on other people needs and we're used as a conduit by the grace of God then we can see an ordinary person come about we and change the world for good and expand the kingdom of God because it's not about me and my it's about we and when we become about don't don't be afraid to clap You, you go ahead and get started because we're about to talk about worship in a second and we must get to the place of being unified with our praise it's amazing to me how many people choose and talk and think about gatherings of Christians together. Did you know it means nothing? Did you know singing? I know many of you, including me, I grew up with how great there are art, but it means nothing. If we come together and sing songs that minister to us and and, and sing songs that don't minister to God and our heart isn't bent toward God and we don't let the spirit of God into our lives and flow and we make everything about me instead of we, we hurt the unity of God's people gathering together. We must get to the place of being unified with our praise, our prayer, our worship, preaching, I do not praise just for me. I do not clap just for me. I do not stand and wave my arms just for me. I do it for we. Did you know your praise can change the atmosphere in someone else's spiritual journey? Did you know that you're clapping your hands? Did you know creating an atmosphere and a culture of praising God can change the atmosphere and it can change someone's destiny and it can change someone's heart and it can change someone's view of who God really is when we come together in unity, understanding that the Bible says, come, let us praise the Lord together. Can change the atmosphere by your praise or lack of it. Some songs I, I like and some I don't. There are some songs that. We sing that do something for me, and there's some songs that we sing that that don't do so much for me, but it does more for somebody else. There's some songs today. My my son was was playing. He he became the DJ in my car, and he was playing this new Christian song, and I've never heard it before. And there was more thumping than anything. And man, he was thumping right along with it. And 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 he looked over at me, and and I didn't really want to thump, but I started thumping. Amen. If my son is gonna play a song. Song that may not be in my genre but it's about worshiping the Lord you think for a minute I'm going to sit there like a bumping along and criticize the thumping you can thump for Jesus all day long because I will gather together in the name of Jesus and praise the Lord with we, we and so yeah I know some of you don't like the thumping but it's about we some songs I like The Bible says to rejoice with those that rejoice. Wait a minute. You know what that verse tells me? that you and I have a biblical mandate. You know what I think? I think you have a biblical mandate if someone on your row is clapping and rejoicing in the Lord, not to let them do it alone. Uh, rejoicing in the Lord is not a me project. Rejoicing in the Lord is a we project. You say, well, Pastor Mark, that's just not me. Well, you're gonna have a hard time in heaven when we're all worshiping and bowing before the Lord. You say, I don't wave my hands. Well, give them a fist bump. Give them a clap. Give them a knuckles, but don't sit there like a bump on a log and act like you have the spirit inside of you i think the spirit may be outside of you because when you have god change your life you can't help but praise his name don't let someone cheer and clap and rejoice with god alone there you go you're getting with it you say i get uncomfortable with people clapping well don't go to a colts game I get uncomfortable with people hooting and hollering. But don't go to different people's houses and watch sporting events. Don't go all around our community. When people are gathered together, united for a cause, it can change the atmosphere. Just think if God's people weren't worried about what song was sung and worried about what Savior they praise. And doing it together, what would happen in the name of Jesus? The Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice. Rejoice. Give them something. Gathering in a worship service is a we project, not a me and my posture, not a me and my, but a we. The church was formed as they gathered for worship and unity. They gathered and worship and unity. I, I want you to notice this in Acts chapter 1. I'll start in verse number 12. You see, Jesus died on the cross, he met with the disciples again, he ascended back to heaven. And when he ascended back to heaven, he told them, Wait for the Spirit to come upon you. And while they were waiting for the Spirit to come upon them, I want you to notice what they did. Then they returned, verse 12, to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs, the upper room, where they were staying Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus. Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James, they all, can you say that word with me, all, say it again, all, they all, not, 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 not 10 out of 11, not 8 of them, not 6 of them, not 1 of them, they all, you want the power of the Bible days, you want a church that worships together? You want to be a part of a place that has the atmosphere change. You want to see God do miraculous things? It's not about a sermon. It's not about a song. It's not about a program. It's not about good or bad people. It's about God's people coming together, totally unified, that we need God, and life is messy, and none of us have the corner market on the, the God of the universe other than We are sinners in need of a Savior, and He died on the cross for us, and we've accepted that, and we want to praise His name together. All me was not in their vocabulary. We, they all were continually united. And look what it says. Look what united them. What united them was service times. What united them was the seating what united them was a program. What united them was drums or the lack of it. Amen right there, brother. Uh, what united them. No, here's what united them. What united them was prayer. Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. Come on. Prayer and praise. Come on, somebody say it with me. Don't let me rejoice alone. Prayer And praise, prayer and praise. You want to know what changes the atmosphere and what unity and what changes things is not your opinion, be an armchair quarterback of what you think should be done, but you're getting on your knees in unity together, magnifying the Lord, continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Unity. They had all things in common. The church started forming long before Pentecost. You see, there was no Pentecost without God's people united that they needed Jesus. There would be no Pentecost if there wasn't prayer and praise. Unity in the church is brought about through gathering with prayer and praise in mind. It was a gathering of people knowing that they were not worthy, but thankful for Jesus and His sacrifice of salvation. They prayed for His will to be done and they praised Him. For who he is. It says they continually united in this passage. But since the beginning of time, mankind has used the church for their own gain. The spirit moved among the people. They didn't collect offerings. They didn't have a pastor get up and make announcements. They didn't pass the buckets and someone drop it. Like today. (laughs) Uh, they, They didn't do that. Why? Because every need was provided for because they were in unity. They were in unity through prayer and praise. Every need was met. It's interesting to me, even in the New Testament, there was so much supernatural things happening with people that it's interesting to me, God, for a second, in the New Testament church, went back to the Old Testament way. There was this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, while God was doing supernatural things, Ananias and, and Sapphira came and they sold some land and, and, and they came and, and they sold it and, and, and they were being deceitful to the church and being deceitful to God and they came and said, we've given everything and keeping a little. In all reality, they were giving a little and keeping everything and God reverted back to the Old Testament and, well, oh, bam, killed them both. I'm not, It's in your Bible. I'm not kidding. He said... I, 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 I am not going to stand for disunity. It wasn't the amount that got them in trouble, it was the deceitfulness and the disunity. Do you know what that tells me in my Bible? That tells me what God truly thinks about God's people not being in unity. That tells me what God really thinks about fireside chats that aren't led by the Spirit. That really tells me what God thinks about small groups that are not being a group that edifies, but being a group that tears down. That tells me what God really thinks about people in their mouth and their conversations and the way they live and the way they use church. What God really thinks of disunity. Why? Because he tells us in his word in the New Testament, when you and I come together in unity, we can't be stopped. But you know what's happened? It was not the amount that got them in trouble, but the heart. They were about me and my and not about we. God showed his attitude toward this. You know, uh, uh, we, we're okay with little sins. Well, Mark, that's just not how the world is today. I know you want everybody to have the fruit of the spirits, but that's someone said that to me two weeks ago, but that's just not how it is you have a small little world. Well, I'll keep in my small little world, deceitfulness is still a sin. Gossip is still a sin. Lying is still a sin. All those things are still sin, 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 sin. Nana, na 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 I said it. And just because you haven't had an extramarital affair doesn't make you any different than the one who does when you think your sins are better than theirs. And if we want this room, this room to be filled with the Spirit of God, then that means that it's got to be, is it I, Lord? Like the disciples said when Jesus in the upper room said someone's going to betray me, they didn't go, it's him or it's him. No, they said, God, is it I? You know what church needs to be like before you walk into this room? You need to have the heart that's bent toward God that says, is it I, Lord? Is it I, the sinner? Is it I messing up my marriage? Is it I messing up the church? Is it I messing up things so you won't let the ground shake? Is it I? Is it I? It can't be a me project. It has to be a we project. I need you. Many times when I preach, people tell me, boy, I don't know if you saw them, but so-and-so was here this week. We've been praying for them to come. They needed that. (laughs) Boy, I I saw, did you see their face? I think they were listening to you. No, what if us as a church came and didn't care who else came? You know what I'm tired of people saying to me? Boy, I think we had a good crowd today, and I think I don't care. You know what I care about? The Spirit of God being able to move in this place. You know what I care? Pentecost didn't start with thousands of people. Pentecost started with 120 out of 120 people saying they're united on the Spirit of God. I don't care how you speak, Peter. I don't care what you say, Andrew. I don't care what your talents are. I don't care what your gifts are because none of them measure up to my almighty God, but I know what will when I live in unity knowing I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and I can do nothing on my own. But when I come together in unity, the atmosphere will shift in the name of Jesus if the people in the story of the Tower of Babel could be in unity to worship idols I believe God's people should be in unity to worship God I believe God's people should be able to be in one accord knowing they serve the true God what would it do for the church if everyone here decided before they came that they'd be in unity because we believe with this unity we can change lives We can win souls to Christ and nothing would be restrained from us because the church that is in unity is given the command blessing. The command blessing that will shift the atmosphere. The command blessing that can bring healing to bodies. The command blessing that can bring miracles. The command blessing that can break the chains. The command blessing that can uh, take away the addictions of men and women. The command blessing when God's people come together in unity and prayer and praise believing. So here's what it has to be. They were all filled with the Spirit. They were all filled with the Spirit. Read Acts 2 with me. We come to the Pentecost chapter, verse 14. They've been in the upper room. They've been praying together. 120 out of 120, it says, Peter stood up with the 11th, raised his voice. You know, you know what people think? We we think that Pentecost was a one-man show. We skip over. It says, Peter stood up with what? The eleven. Peter stood with his peeps. Remember last sermon? Peter stood with the eleven, raised his voice and proclaimed it in fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. Let's park right there for a minute. We get a little uncomfortable with that. But can can I just point this out? What it would be like, what would it look like if we were all filled with the Spirit? These were real people. This isn't the Disney Channel. This isn't a reality TV show that's really not real. Come on, somebody. These are real people, and this is what they said. They said, hey, they're not really drunk. What does that mean? You ever seen anybody drunk before? Don't look at your spouse right now. That ain't cool. <laughs> you know what's wrong? We're afraid to stick out. We have to have everything just right. Everything has to feel right. And everything has to go along with what you think in your head instead of giving everybody the liberty of being led by the Spirit of God. What would it look like? Because it wouldn't look like this. It's unusual. It's different. They were different. Happy and hopeful. Hopeful. 120 out of 120 were united. All of them. Your Bible shows us the power of unity and the blessings from God it brings. In the minority, they stood together. It wasn't them all sitting down and Peter stands up. It wasn't a a, a four out of the 11. It wasn't five out of the 11. It wasn't six out of the 11. It was 11 out of the uh, 11 that stood together in unity, ready to praise the name of the Lord. And after they came out of the upper room being filled with the Holy Spirit, Simon Peter stood up with the eleven. You see, when God does something, it's not about me or my, but it's about we. Everyone has a part to play. We need unity in our marriage. Some of you, you need to touch your spouse and let them know you're in agreement with that. You haven't talked to them all week other than to tell them what's wrong with them. Some of you need to be okay with who you are in the relationships with. You don't have to have everything your way. It just needs to be God's way. Anybody out there? I I don't know. This sermon's probably not making sense to you, but uh, it's in my heart. Some of you say, Pastor, what has God spoken to you during this time and this season, this tragedy? I'll tell you why: that life is a vapor. And you don't know when your day is going to end. And you don't know when a loved one's going to be taken from you. You don't know when eternity's going to be on your doorstep. So every day of my life, it's important for me to think we and not me. We in my spirit. We with Jesus Christ. We in the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what the world thinks of me. I may not be eloquent in speech, and I may not say everything right. and I may not act all the time the way I'm supposed to act, but there's one thing I want. I want God when He comes to get me and I spend eternity with him for him to say your heart was about we and not me. A we church isn't built on one guy or a personality. It's built on the unity of the spirit. I've heard people say I was here before the pastor got here and I'll be here after he's gone. I, I, I I don't like that Spirit of the statement, but the church isn't about one player, it's about the team. I've heard somebody say, Boy, you know, those pastors that you know they, they were okay, but I'm so glad you're back. You're probably trying to encourage me, and I need it right now. It's not about the personality standing on this stage. It's about the Spirit and who allows them to be the conduit of the power of the Holy Spirit coming through the stage. And until you understand the only personality Hamilton Hill should be about is Jesus himself, then you don't understand what the local church is all about. It's about we, not me. It's about we, not my and me. It's not about my children. It's not about the snacks they feed. It's not about when we do this and when we do that. It's not about if you like the guy playing the keys at the end of my sermon. It's not about any of those things. What it is about today Is about God's people who really say that they have the spirit inside of them that says, take over Jesus, take over spirit of God, take over my body, take over my life, take over my plans. It's about we and not me. Does the opposition have more stamina than us? In Acts 19, there's a story of Paul defeating evil spirits and shutting down an idol maker's business named Artemis. I was struck by what happened and how people in the city were so upset and Paul and the Jesus followers with them because of what happened. Listen to this. They went to the streets. You can read it yourself in Acts 19. Paul and God's people shut down this idol maker's business. And the people who worshiped the idols got so upset in Acts 19.34. Acts 19.34. For two hours, they screamed at the top of their lungs, worshiping their idols. For two hours, could you imagine screaming at the top of your lungs? You think I'm bad. For two hours, worshiping idols, and we serve the living God and cannot get in one accord for two minutes to cry out, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I said Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I said Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I said Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why don't you stop and praise him for a moment and thank him for salvation and thank him for his goodness because he is the Lord of lords and he is the King of kings throughout all eternity. Man, I got even Baptist to clap on that one. When God's people, you say, boy, I just feel silly doing that. Have you ever seen yourself at a Pacers game? When God's people are dwelling together in unity by the Holy Spirit, God commands healing. He commands deliverance. He commands chains breaking. And when we do it together, nothing, and I mean nothing, can stop the blessing. I, I'm, I'm going to end with this. You say, Mark, you're not giving me all these one, two, three points. I don't know. Something happened to me for 11 weeks and I'm just, I'm just going along with it. statement came to my mind when it comes to gatherings. Be a first responder. I was a chaplain for the police department in Las Vegas for many years and I rode with the SWAT team. I'll never forget we would come up to the house and they're going to breach the door and Man, there were some big guys on the SWAT team. That was kind of funny. The smallest guy in that truck was the one reaching the door. And he would come up. I mean, he's about here to me. And he'd come up in this, this, this truck, and it was empty in the back. And he'd, go, he'd start getting everybody ready. He'd punch them in the vest and give them a high five. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this. And the driver was with me. And he's slapping me on the shoulder. And I'm like freaking out. Machine guns everywhere, the mask on, everything. I'm freaking out. And he's like, let's go, chap, let's go. I'm like, I ain't going nowhere. I'm standing here. And the driver goes, he's crazy. And I looked at him like, man, what, how are you so excited? He said these words to me. Someone's got to go first. Somebody's got to start it. What are you waiting for? Be a first responder in praise with all your heart because your praise can help start a blessing for someone else. Somebody's got to come to church and say, it's not about me, but it's about we. It's not about my issues, but it's about God's kingdom. It's not about my spirit, but it's the spirit flowing through me. It's not about how it looks, but it's about my prayer. It's about my praise. It's about God doing the rest in me. I think the story in John 5 sums it up. There was a pool called Bethesda in Jerusalem. When God would stir the waters, an angel, they say, would come down, stir those waters, a, trim, a little ripple, the first one to touch it would get the miracle. I think the story in John 5 is appropriate. There was a lame man lying there waiting on his miracle for 38 years. Think about that. 38 years laying by the pool, Jesus came through that city have you waited sometimes for an answer can you imagine can you imagine sitting for 38 years praying for your miracle 38 years praying for your spouse 38 years praying for your children 38 years praying for a neighbor. 38 years praying for a friend. 38 years and Jesus came and walked by him. He waited. He didn't leave and Jesus asked him if he wanted to be healed. The lame man didn't worry about his pride or how he looked or if anyone was watching with no hesitation. He answered, yes, but there is no one to put me in the pool. He never left the pool. He was determined to be the first one one day. He believed that nothing would sway him. What I'm saying to you is he got his blessing and he got his healing. He was a first responder and he couldn't make it to the pool. But 38 years later, Jesus made that happen for him. Don't be the last one to respond. Sometimes God is looking for a first responder. Sometimes the miracle is just in you responding and doing what God tells you to do. And the reaction that could happen among the rest of the people just might be the miracle all along. Did you get that? We pray for this miracle, miracle, miracle. Did you know your miracle may be your obedience to God and His plan and so that the miracle could spread to the other people? The miracle is not about you. It's bigger than you. What if we were first? What if we were first to forgive? What if we were first to worship? What if we were first to pray? What if we were first to repent? What if we were first to restore? Yes, it's easy. Move on, but not miraculous. We've been a blessed church. Think about this, church. Over 200 people in less than 24 months has found Jesus as their Savior. Come on, you can do better than that. Do you not? You know what Jesus said? Think it not strange, the fiery darts. So you know why I'm preaching the word of God? There is spiritual warfare going on do you know why I am opening God's word and why you're listening that there can be distractions in your mind? Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to get the fact that it's not about your career. The enemy doesn't want you to get the fact that it's not a perfect family or perfect marriage or not ending in divorce. What the enemy wants you not to get is there is unity in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we come to him humbly and we are first responders to his grace, we can see blessings pour out among him and his people. Rarely does God give an option. Remember that verse? Where two or three are gathered in my name. He gives an option. Interesting, isn't it? Three is best. I'll take two. I want you to have three. I want everybody to be in union. But I'll just take two. I'll take two. I'll take two. Do you know what the enemy wants to distract us? He wants to distract us of the unbelief around you instead of you grabbing a hold in agreement to someone that believes. I took my boys to the Rose Bowl two years ago. Anybody know what the Rose Bowl is? Georgia was playing in the Rose Bowl and we had the honor of going to the Rose Bowl. I've watched the Rose Bowl on TV my whole entire life. It is one thing to see it from afar. It's another thing to be in the midst of it we stood the whole entire game. Literally, the whole game we stood. I don't know the people sitting next to me, but I I think we're friends forever, even though I haven't spoken to them again since the Rose Bowl. We were screaming, yelling. Every time Georgia would make a play, we would hug each other. He smelled like beer, but it didn't matter. And that stranger became part of our experience because we didn't see it on TV. We were in the midst of what was happening as a Georgia fan. And just think, just think if our suspect wouldn't be other people's sin but it would be our own sin. Just think if we would be worried about ourselves turning me into we. Just think if we would get a part of what God is doing. Just think if we'd stop spectating and get in the game of life and let the Holy Spirit of God guide us what would he do well i hope you enjoyed today's podcast if you made a decision or would like to know more about us you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at hamilton hills church also if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.